Al Jazeera podcast. It's been disputed for decades, but Nagorno-Karabakh is now under Azerbaijan's control. As tens of thousands of Armenians flee, its self-declared government says it will cease to exist. So, what does the future hold for the region? And what will happen to its separatist movements? I'm Mohammed Jamjoum, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. All right, let's go ahead and bring in our guests. In Baku is Nigar Arpadarayi, a member of Azerbaijan's parliament. In Istanbul is Matthew Bryza, a former U.S. mediator of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. And joining us from Yerevan is Arsen Haratyan, former foreign policy advisor to the Armenian prime minister, Nikol Pashinyan. A warm welcome to you all, and thanks so much for joining us today on Inside Story. Nigar, let me start with you today. Nagorno-Karabakh is now under Azerbaijan's control. Does that mean that the Armenia-Azerbaijan fight for Nagorno-Karabakh is finally over? Well, thank you very much for having me. First of all, we don't have such a we don't have such a place like Nagorno-Karabakh. The region is called Karabakh. Nagorno is a Russian word uh, which was used uh, previously, but uh, the region is called Karabakh. So, uh, well, uh, hopefully, yes, uh, we are really uh, keen to have uh, long-lasting peace with Armenia because the whole thing was around this puppet regime was occupation of Armenia's, uh, uh, occupation of Azerbaijan's lands by Armenia and then the puppet regime being there. So now the situation is that the disarmament of Armenian militants in Karabakh continues. So Azerbaijani army collected all the weapons and munitions and we discover like munitions every day and the scale is really shocking. For 30 years, this area was a gray zone, was a lawless zone. And uh, hopefully now uh, our main goal um, is to integrate uh, Armenians of Karabakh and hopefully this whole, you know, militant and military agenda is closed because we are uh, really keen to have uh, peace in our region. I would like just to mention that during all this period of time, Azerbaijani army was uh, was extremely cautious, you know, was targeting only military civilians. And uh, and for us, it was very important not, not to create any kind of a panic, a panic among people, uh, among um, settlements. So uh, we've been um, trying to do our best to have um, like um, uh, first steps uh, in uh, integration process, like we had uh, regularly we have dialogue with Armenians of Karabakh with their representatives we've sent we sent supplies to them we send medicines we send pharma um, electricity is resupplied now we've sent fuel so uh, we are trying to make sure that um, all the necessary things and all the necessary steps are done for civilians in the meantime we are trying to make sure that we are cleaning this zone from weapons from munitions from mines you know from all this um, illegal uh, matters that w- was there for many years. And, um, well, the, the thing is that uh, the symbolic step Nigar, was Nigar, that, I'm sorry to, this, I'm sorry to um, interrupt you, but, but let, me, let, me, let me just ask you about something you, you mentioned. Um, because you said something that we've heard from other government uh, officials, which is that um, this region will be reintegrated. Um, but the government of Azerbaijan has not explained how it would be reintegrated. What are the plans for reintegration? Well, I think the reintegration plans are uh, more or less there. We are discussing it with representatives of uh, of Armenians of Karabakh. We already have portal created for them where they can apply and become citizens of Azerbaijan, those that want to stay. But we want to, uh, to clean this zone, to have a better infrastructure for them, to have a better living condition for them. And the legal base for us is constitution of Azerbaijan. They will have all the rights as all the other ethnic groups uh, living in Azerbaijan have, because we have many ethnic groups. We have Jews, we have 
Russians, we have Georgians, we have Turks, we have Talish, Lesgi. So all of them live peacefully. They coexist together in respect and dignity. So this is what we offer to Armenians of Karabakh. Because for Nigar, many years... Nigar, I'm sorry to, bu- I'm sorry to interrupt you again, but I, I just want to ask you about another point you're making. You're talking about an assurance of rights. But the fact of the matter is that on the ground, you have thousands of people, thousands of ethnic Armenians that are fleeing And they are saying that they don't believe that they are safe. They say they do not believe these guarantees that have been made about their safety. So how do you react to that? Well, it's obviously, you know, they've been brainwashed for 30 years. The whole ideology was around Azerbaijanis and Armenians being incompatible. And I'm not being sarcastic. This is literally what their president Kocharyan was saying. And this ideology was also promoted by lobby, by diaspora, by all the Armenian politicians. Why? Because they didn't want, their goal was to annex part of Azerbaijan. Their whole ideology was around that. And now when we offer them to stay, when we are saying that we guarantee all the rights, you know what happens? Their delusional miss is dying. It shows that the whole propaganda was false. Their whole ideology was false. But from our side, why the, most of them, when they um, when they go to Yerevan, they are being interviewed by uh, media there. And when being asked that, did you have any problems? They said, no, we didn't. We've been told to leave. So the leaders, separatist leaders, these criminals, they told these people to leave. In reality, they are not leaving because of the situation on the ground. They are leaving because of some uh, something someone told them or because mm. of their fear but not because something happened to them on mm. the ground. They've been hostages of these criminal separatists and they've been brainwashed by them. Of course, they now uh, they didn't see anything else. Mm. We are offering them a better life. I am telling you, and our government is very keen. We are offering them better life. We are offering them to stay and to become Azerbaijan citizens. Mm. And I must also say that in our case, when one million Azerbaijanis were uh, expelled from their homes, they, 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 you know what was uh, some what they offered to us: you either leave or you die. So one million people were expelled from their homes 30 years ago. They want also to go back. And we mm. want this integration to happen. And Nigar, we're absolutely Nigar, sure that I, I it need can to, happen. I, I need to go now to Arsen Arsen. I know you've wanted to jump in. I see that you're reacting a lot to what Nigar is saying. Um, one of the things I want to ask you about is the fact that the government in Azerbaijan is saying that ethnic Armenians have nothing to fear, that they will be reintegrated. Uh, first of all, what is your reaction to that? Thanks for having me. Um, Well, what I'll start with is facts speak for themselves. I mean, as you mentioned, as our host has been saying, uh, over 90,000 people fled Nagorno-Karabakh during the last three days. If the life they were going to get in Azerbaijan was going to, to be so great, why would they want to leave? I mean, come on, talking about the criminal regime, you're talking to the uh, administration, local administration, third time today in Yevlach. Why are you talking to criminals if they're criminal? You're arresting, picking and choosing whoever you want right now. People are coming with fears and even on the border, you're stopping them and humiliating them with your media right now as we speak. You're talking about um, ammunition, weapons, no panic amongst the people. You failed on that. You failed on providing these people any opportunity 
to ever think about living in Azerbaijan, let alone the situation with human rights in your own country. Freedom House reports are talking about Azerbaijan being a not-free country and even Nagorno-Karabakh being partially free. You have what medieval... What are you talking about? Armenia is an aggressor country which has occupied part of Azerbaijani land. And you are speaking about democracy? Democratic country would never do that. And you know what? Nigar, People let, living now, they most of them have Armenian passports. Nigar, Why let are me they just, having Armenian let's let, passports, I Nigar, let's please let Arsen finish his point. We will come back to you shortly. Arsen, please go okay. ahead. I can keep the show just for you, Nigar, no problem. You can also do it on your Facebook Live. This is a show with Al Jazeera, and I would respect, I respected your talk, and I would expect the same from you. Thank you. So uh, the situation on the ground right now is disastrous. People are losing their, have lost their homes. They had to leave uh, last second, leaving everything behind, and the only place they could go was Armenia, because they are afraid, not just because of the situation in your own country, well, I mean, with no political opponents to the existing government, with no free journalism and freedom of speech, let alone, but setting that aside, the large scale of Armenophobia, the hatred towards Armenians. How, how do you imagine these people living in Azerbaijan, within the Azerbaijani, with your constitution, if your own citizens are deprived of basic rights? So right now what we're seeing is uh, what you have done is the, the planned, continued plan of doing the ethnic cleansing. It's a clear ethnic cleansing policy of Azerbaijan that has been in place for a long time. And right now you got what you wanted. So I don't know who you're going to populate those places with, probably your own people. I, I, I don't want to talk about Arson, it now. Arsen, let me, let me, let me just ask you. Mr. Arson, Mohammed, let, let, can, you, can I reply to just, this? Just, there were many accusations and I really want Nigar, to reply to I this. I will one. give you a moment to reply. I need to ask Arsen another question here. Arsen. I want to ask you about how Armenia is going to be able to handle helping the, uh, the uh, ethnic Armenians who are fleeing Nagorno-Karabakh. What are the plans in place for that? That's a very good question. And right now, as we're seeing on the border, we have um, uh, medical uh, uh, personnel, personnel. We have a lot of I mean, basic food, because these people have been deprived of uh, basic supplies for the last nine months. Uh, right now, we're trying to sort of, uh, the larger scheme is to absorb them in Armenia in different regions and towns. Uh, today, as we were following the, the records, uh, some of the people are staying in the nearby region in Sunik. Some are being dispersed in different parts of the country. A lot of them ended up in Yerevan right now. Uh, the mm -hmm. government is saying that they have enough housing capacity. However, I'm sure this is temporary. These mm. people have been replaced, displaced from their houses. And uh, this is a, a, a for a small country like ours, uh, 100,000 people in a country of 3 million is going to be a huge mm. problem. I'm, I'm not sure that uh, the humanitarian support is going to come from the international community, but the government of Armenia so far is handling it. We'll see what comes in the short term and in the long run. Matthew, uh, let me ask you your opinion on what happens going forward? What does the future hold for the region? Uh, and also, what kind of implications could all this hold for separate struggles in the region and in other parts of the world? Well, first of all, I mean, the main focal point, of course, is going to be with both guests, with Arsene and Nigar are talking about, the disposition of these people who have left their homes. Uh, that's you know, one of the most traumatic experiences in any person's life, right? And they're leaving everything behind. Uh, it's true that the, the government of Azerbaijan, for all my years involved with the Karabakh conflict, had embraced the idea that the uh, Armenians 
hopefully would stay and Azerbaijanis would refer to their homes, return to their homes, uh, the ones that have been displaced. That seems unrealistic right now, but hopefully looking forward, we will see Azerbaijan deliver. Uh, you know, the, as I think we talked about before, revenge is one of the most powerful negative motivators uh, in, 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 in our human being. And, um, you know, there there were those expulsions Nigar talked about, 800,000. She said a million. There, some of them were killed. There was a massacre in a place called Hojali. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's understandable that the Armenian side would think, oh, my God, there might be revenge. But there isn't yet. There isn't. You'd, I don't hear that hatred in Azerbaijani society, by the way. Some quarters, there are extremists, as there are in Armenia. But in general, the government of Azerbaijan is saying something amazing. It's saying, come on, let's try to do this together. We hope you'll stay. And, and, and let's go forward to a peace treaty. So the next thing I think is going to happen is a peace treaty. President Aliyev clearly wants it. Azerbaijan is now the status quo power. Prime Minister Pashinyan clearly wants a peace treaty, but he's being reviled for that uh, back in Armenia at, because he's seen as not having supported the, uh, the, the Karabakhi Armenians and somehow being soft and being naive. I do think there's going to be a, a peace treaty though within months, even though it won't be popular in Armenia. The other impact is on Russia. Russia, uh, you know, Prime Minister Pashinyan already said that Russia is no longer a protector of Armenia. This was before uh, last week's military uh, activities. Uh, and Putin is furious. Uh, and so uh, I think there's going to be a question coming up quickly about mm. Armenia's political orientation. Is Russia still going to play a role? Mm. Uh, and then Azerbaijan is going to have to figure out whether it wants the Russian peacekeepers to stay. Matthew, since you're talking about Russian peacekeepers and the Russian role going forward, I, I want to ask you about, you know, from your perspective, is what we've seen happen in Nagorno-Karabakh, is this pointing to the fact that uh, in a part of the world where Russia has long been sort of in charge, that the balance of power is essentially changing? Oh, 100%. I mean, look, during the second Karabakh war, so in the autumn of 2020, Moscow was sending warnings to, to Baku not to push too far. Uh, you'll recall that Azerbaijan stopped its military operation uh, short of the capital, Stepanakert, or Hankendi, as the Azerbaijanis call it, once Azerbaijan recovered Shusha. At that time, Moscow was telling uh, Azerbaijan, don't push it too far. Uh, today, I don't think President Ali is paying much attention to President Putin. Uh, it's hard to imagine Russia... Uh, as uh, having a, a legitimate role in, in peacemaking, uh, given its invasion of Ukraine, not to mention invasion uh, of Georgia, two invasions of Ukraine. So I think that the prestige of Russia as a geopolitical player is terribly undermined, but mm. <laughs> it still cares about what's going on. It's still really powerful, and it's still right there on the border uh, of Azerbaijan. So I wouldn't say Russia is no longer going to be a player, mm. uh, but you know, Azerbaijan is charting its own destiny now to uh, an extent that it never could before. Uh, Nigar, I know you wanted to respond to some of what Arsen was saying yeah. earlier. Please go ahead. Uh, yeah, well, uh, just to respond to some uh, ideas, because uh, Mr. Arsan was saying lots of accusations, but let's put aside emotions and just see the facts. The fact says that uh, lands of Azerbaijan were occupied by Armenia. There are four, four UN Security Council resolutions, dozens of our documents confirming this and which were ignored by Armenia. So when uh, when he's talking about ethnic cleansing, uh, I remember one thing that I want to tell you. You know what was the justification of Armenian side for the occupation of former Nagorno-Karabakh and surrounding regions. They said that they wanted to pre prevent potential genocide. 
I want to repeat that. So for that, they have expelled one million Azerbaijanis from their homes. So in reality, Azerbaijan doesn't have any record of ethnic cleansing, but Armenia does. Armenia not only expelled all Azerbaijanis from Armenia, but they also occupied Azerbaijani land and expelled Azerbaijanis from their homes. In Azerbaijan, we have all the other ethnic groups living together. We don't have a record of ethnic cleansing. And also, let's use terminology in a correct way, you know, Ethnic cleansing, when someone is forced to leave, when we are saying that we are offering them to stay and to become citizens of Azerbaijan. So this is not ethnic cleansing by default. Please do not use uh, terminology like that, you know, because you are misleading people. Do not mislead international community. Armenian side managed to mislead international community in the 90s when it invaded our lands. Now it is over. We really want peace. We don't. We never had territorial claims towards Armenia. We never had. We never had any problems mm. with Armenians living in in Karabakh. It was, you know, separatist junta. It was criminals that came there, brainwashed people's minds, and keep kept them as hostages. Now these mm. people are free. Of course, it is their their choice whether they want to leave or whether they want to stay. From our side, we guarantee their safety. If they stay, they will be members of our society. They will enjoy mm. all the rights as Jews have, I don't know, Lesbians have, Tats have, Turks, Russians all together have. And they will be living in peace and dignity in a much better life. So this Nigar, is something you, that, that you, is important. You are, you, are dispute, you are disputing now the accusations that have been made about ethnic cleansing, the concerns about it. I want to ask you about the fact, though, that there are Western governments that have been expressing alarm over the humanitarian situation right now. Now, and many of them have started demanding access for international observers to monitor Azerbaijan's treatment of the local population. Is that something that Azerbaijan would agree to? Well, absolutely. Well, first of all, ICRC was always there, you know. ICRC, they are Russian uh, military contingent, peacekeepers are there. And now Azerbaijan offered to UN uh, agencies to come to see the place. So it's all in the discussion and in due place, in due course, it will happen. But you have to understand that this this is a heavily militarized zone. It is There are everywhere mines planted. So if something happens, who will be responsible for that? It's a gray zone. So we have to take care of safety of people coming there now, mm. you know, now that we are in control, we will be able to bring people to show something. Before that, safety issue was there. And also, uh, as I said, ICRC was always in place. So from our side, Azerbaijan is very mm. cooperative. We are cooperating with all the sides, you know. Mm. We also, we are we want to cooperate with Armenia as well. Like there is a peace deal on the table. And I want also to say that despite the fact that Azerbaijan has a military dominance, you know, upper hand, we won the war. It was Azerbaijan that offered a uh, peace treaty to Armenia. And for three years, we are going back and forth, back and forth. Armenian prime minister is trying to do something. He recognized Azerbaijan's mm. territorial integrity, but then he again started supporting uh, separatists in Karabakh, sending them letters of congratulations for uh, separatist regime or whatever, you know. But now it's all over. For mm. us, it is over. Now it is time. And I truly believe, Are despite all that happened, you know, I believe that we have a chance to have peace now because... Armenia is off the hook. Armenia is finally free of this, you know, of this uh, process of occupation of Azerbaijan's land. Mm. And Arson. we are ready to turn this. Okay. Uh, Arsen, uh, let me ask you. Uh, I see that you want to react. I will let you do that. But I also want to ask you, do you think there is a chance now for a formal peace agreement? 
I'll get to that, uh, just two, three remarks on what has been said. I will actually agree with our Azerbaijani guest. It is all over for you right now because you got rid of Armenians in Karabakh. So no people, no problem, like Stalin was saying. So in that respect, of course, it's all over for you. Uh, but I think in the long run, it's not all over. And it's actually a really, really bad thing because my personal hope was Karabakh Armenians and the, a true dialogue possibility between Karabakh Armenians and Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan could be a good start for the long run, long run for Armenian-Azerbaijani dialogue. I'll refer to a couple of things that have been said also with, by Mr. Braiza. Yes, I mean, mentioning a couple uh, massacres during the uh, first war. Yes, there have been war crimes, but I want to remind and talking about not having any history of ethnic cleansing. I mean, we had 350,000 Armenians living in Azerbaijan during the Soviet era. Where are those people? Baku Armenians, Kiroabad Armenians, Sumgait Armenians. The first massacre and attack against Armenians, as we, as you all know, was in 1988 during the Soviet era when Sumgait Armenians were harassed and attacked and the pogroms in Baku. So these were all facts. So if this is not ethnic cleansing, I don't know what is. Now, talking about the possible peace treaty, uh, I think uh, right now on, the, on October 5th, there will be a meeting. Um, five five party meetings, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and three European states, uh, including European Union. I don't know. I have. I mean, we don't have high hopes for coming up with with something true, as as we're seeing that people are being arrested in Karabakh proper mm. in Nagorno Karabakh right now. So I think one of the key, key elements for this would be um, showing a goodwill and and not actually arresting people mm. and handling things. And I think my understanding and my feeling is that. We're given a deadline until October 1st. Whoever leaves, leaves. Whoever stays are going to be handled differently. And the massive arrests, including that of the former officials of Karabakh, of Nagorno-Karabakh mm. right now, as we speak, is not actually helping any kind of peace treaty. We all want a peace treaty, but a peace treaty can only be viable if it actually is inclusive and takes all sides and all parties into account rather mm. than one party coming win-win is, is only in, in, in possible in the case if we have a situation that is different from now. Matthew, uh, Arsene reacted I, to some of your remarks. Uh, Nigar, just give me a moment. Let me ask yeah, Matthew yeah, okay. here because I, I want to get his reaction to what Arsene was just saying. Arsene, I put a question to you uh, about some remarks you made about ethnic cleansing. Did you want to respond? I didn't say anything about ethnic cleansing. I never used the phrase, and I think it's a loaded term that it can be used by different people to suit whatever agenda they may have. All I said was that there were 800,000 Azerbaijanis, I chose the word displaced, mm. and there were massacres. And I said on both sides. Uh, with regard, though, to, to, to Arsene's points, uh, well, his point about arresting uh, officials of the former Karabakh separatist uh, regime, um, that's par for the course in international law. I mean, look at Spain. There are leaders of the Catalan separatist movement who are in prison, right? They're in jail. Uh, it is not okay <laughs> under law, international law, to lead a separatist movement. There are consequences. And that consequence came. The Armenian troops were illegally on Azerbaijani territory. Last time Arsene said, well, there were no Ar uh, Armenian troops in Karabakh since, since uh, tw 2021. That was the official Armenian line, but I don't think it's true because there have been corpses of Armenian soldiers that have been now returned turned to Armenia. So the soldiers were there. This was a festering wound mm. that was working against even Prime Minister Pashinyan, who wants a peace agreement. I'm convinced he does, but he was unable to move as long as there was this toxic political environment that's still there, by the mm. way, it's still there. There's not a vehicle to implement the agenda of some of the, the most toxic of the thinking, meaning the Karabakh uh, authorities.
Uh, Nigar, uh, we literally have about a minute and a half. Uh, please keep that in mind. Uh, please go ahead. Okay, yeah, well, if, uh, again, I would like to say that we had 10,000 Armenian military servicemen on Azerbaijani territory, you know, 10,000 people. So part of them, the, the people that are living that are Armenian military that were serving illegally on Azerbaijani soil. And what happened that Azerbaijan said that uh, you are free to go. We, we didn't do anything to them. They are leaving now. But when you say that Azerbaijan is keeping someone, whom do you mean? Do you mean Vardanyan, people like Vardanyan? Yes, he's a notorious criminal, you know. And to have personality like Vardanyan is very illustrative because he symbolizes the harm that Armenian diaspora brought to, to the region, both to Armenia and Azerbaijan. You know, he's a money launderer from Russia who came out of nowhere to Karabakh and started doing some lots of things to impede, to obstacle the whole process, you know. And he's also the person from uh, the list mm. of sanctions in Ukraine. He's a criminal guy, you know, that, that is being there. So only those people who were involved in ethnic I'm sorry, but we're just about to run out of Time. We're just about to run out of time. Arsen, we, we have about 30 seconds left. Please go ahead. Please keep your remarks brief. Thank you. I will. Uh, uh, including Vardanya and everyone else, there should be a process of reconciliation. Yes, we will argue uh, Vardanyan is an Armenian citizen. His political affairs is not something I want to discuss, nor do I want to discuss the other officials. I just want to say there were no 10,000 people in Karabakh. There could have been some Armenians from Armenia who were still left there who are living now. But these are not facts, and you haven't been able to prove that. Now, how you're going it to handle... It was confirmed by Russian peacekeepers. It was confirmed by all decides do not all lie, right please. all right all I right sorry I everybody uh, we we have we have run out of time so we're going to have to leave the conversation there thanks so much to all of our guests nigar arpadarai matthew Bryza, and arsen haratian this episode was produced by mohammed al-aishi fenton monahan abla kla and paul taylor studio sound was by aga shizhanovska the program was edited by mohammed subhi lynn nguyen vanessa Keneally, and joe defrias be sure to subscribe to the inside story podcast to catch every episode thank you for listening Tune in on Saturday for our next episode.